So as a church, we're continuing our series on growth, right? It's been going on for a little while. There's just one thing that I want to try to get at today, um, and, and it's a couple uh, verses in Scripture. They're pretty common ones. Uh, you've all heard them before. Something the Lord has been working on my heart is like going back to the simple sounding stuff, you know, the Scriptures that I've known for a long, long time, because um, I think there's maybe some more that we can get from them today. Uh, so I've got a few scriptures that will kind of go through a little personal story and testimony, uh, and then we'll just wrap it up. We're going to do one worship song to close. So who's ready? You guys ready? <laughs> okay, good. So we're going to go to uh, the book of John in chapter 8. If you want to turn there, we are going to have the verses up there today, I think. Uh, this, this kind of section of, of the book of John, the gospel of John, maybe chapters 5 to 10 or so, it's uh, kind of a distinct period in, in Jesus' ministry, and there's this escalating conflict going on, right? They're, they're, the people are very interested in Jesus, and they're completely divided on how they feel, right? But there's not a whole lot of people in the, in the middle, really. Um, they're, they're very interested in what he's doing, what he's saying, and, and who he is. There's also a lot of suspicion, accusations. It's, it's just a, a really tense time. And as we jump into, we're going to start with verse 30. There was this crowd that was following him, and it starts where he just divided them. He just divided them, and it picks up, and he says, as he was saying these things, that's Jesus, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So... Jesus said to those who had believed in him, right? There's the, there's the transition. If you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Okay? I just want to say uh, being a true disciple, what Jesus is talking about here is not a requirement for going to heaven, you know that? It's not a requirement. You don't have to be a true disciple to go to heaven. It's not a have to, but it is a get to, okay? There is a distinction there. So he says, abide in my word, then you will know the truth, and then the truth will set you free. You're with me, right? There's an absolute distinction right here between believing and receiving, there's a, there's a distinction made right here between believing and receiving. Remember, this crowd has just been divided between those who believed and those who didn't. And so Jesus turns, now he's only talking to the people that believe in him. So what I want you to notice maybe here first is that you can believe and not receive. You absolutely can believe and not receive. That's an important point. If you abide, then you will know, then it will continuously set you free. That's, that's what Jesus is getting at here. It's getting free as you go. Getting free as you go. As you are going, grow free. Grow free. That's kind of the theme here today. Grow free. And they respond to him, the people that believed. Remember, the people that believed respond to him. They answered we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. They believed, and then they're offended. And they say, we've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? In other words, how is it that you say that we will become free? 
It's important right here. These people, after believing, then claim to have never been enslaved. Imagine it. I think we're all guilty of that sometimes. They deny even the possibility of bondage. And therefore, I want you to get this, please. They deny the possibility of any bondage and therefore deny the availability of further freedom. Denying the possibility of bondage rejects available freedom. They believed, but then they couldn't receive. They just couldn't, they couldn't get there. Living free for us is not singular or stagnant. It's ongoing. It's ever-increasing. It's something. It's something you can grow. So I thought it was appropriate this morning in this series on growth. It's something you can grow. But you can only grow more free if it's something you continue to believe. That is what abiding in the truth is. Becoming true disciples only if you keep walking with the one you believed. See, people are just falling off left and right. Jesus just keeps saying truth and, and one by one. These people, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not going with you anymore. But as true disciples, you follow the one who set you free, which means you go further. A reason to walk and, and to follow is that you were once lost. Like, you've been set free. Walk for your more freedom. There's more freedom, and Jesus did pay the cost. So remember, they just said to Jesus, those who believed, how can you say that we shall be set free? In other words, we're already free. We're already free. We can't be set free. And there's the rub. To truly be free, you need to grow in your freedom. You have to grow in your freedom, or you go back to who you used to be. But Jesus says... Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. This is kind of a difficult one to latch on to. So I want to try to help you with it, help myself with it maybe. In Jesus' time, it was the very ones most self-assured of their freedom, the ones self-assured of their freedom that continued to live in bondage. These people are absolutely convinced that they're free, and these are the people in Jesus' time that continued to walk in bondage. They couldn't get free. So Jesus is saying, I think, your habits become your habitation. Jesus is saying at first, this is just a guest in your house, and then all of a sudden, it starts to run the home. It runs the household. If you can practice sin, which is what Jesus is saying, if you can practice sin, you can practice freedom, right? Jesus says, if you practice sin, you're a slave to it. So if you can grow sin, you can grow free, right? Those are, those are necessary complements of one another. I had this little visual. I was like, if a couple little itty-bitty mice sneak into your house, right? You trap them and you throw them out. But if you ignore it, they reproduce and eventually take over the house. So I think this is what Jesus is getting at here. Like, follow me, let's find the mice and let's clear them out. Like, stick with me and let's clean your house. That's how we can grow our freedom. It's an active process. The next verse, I'm sure you've all read this one and remember it. So if the sun sets you free, You will be free indeed. You will be free indeed. I think there's the distinction 
that I'm trying to make here because some of the translations, I don't think like really totally get what, what this is saying. So if the sun sets you free, you aren't you, you will be, you, you will be free indeed. What? When you look closely at, at the Greek, how this is written, it's not really saying who the sun sets free is free indeed. That's not what it's saying. It says who the sun sets free will be free indeed. It's the future sense of furthering of the first free. Are you with me? Are you guys with me? There's two frees here, but they're not actually the same word. I mean, those are the same words, right? But they're not, they weren't written as the same word. Who the sun sets free means you're liberated, right? You're, you're exempt, like you're no longer under a law, right? You're exempt from that. It doesn't apply to you. You're released. You've been delivered. And the will be is the future form of the free you will be. <laughs> what? It's getting a little wordy here, right? Are you, so who the sun sets free will be, the second free actually comes from the Greek word that means grow. Isn't that cool? Or am I just, like, I'm into it. You don't, you don't have to be, but it means grow. I just, I discovered that this week. Like, wait, what? You will be free indeed. You will grow free as you go. More free to grow. You've been set free, grow more free indeed. There's a lot of frees up here, right? But grow free. And so I want to tell you a little story slash testimony. A few years ago, I was a, uh, I was in Bible college, and um, it was a crazy <laughs> kind of time in my life. God was coming back in a, in a powerful way, tangible way. I'd been a Christian for like two plus decades uh, to various degrees, <laughs> right? Um, like, I, like I said, I was working on my testimony. Uh, and I, I, I think biblically, like I believed in the power of testimony, right? Um, I believed in acknowledging God's grace in my life, uh, the freedom that Jesus gives, the freedom that Jesus paid for. There was like this rational acceptance that I had come to grips with, right? Um, but maybe not a supernatural like appetite, <laughs> not a real supernatural appetite, uh, a craving, a hunger, an, an eagerness, a passion, uh, something that comes not from information, but from transformation, right? Not from intelligence, but from deliverance. And so to this story, I was, I was in Bible college, uh, like I said, three years ago. It was a 12-month-long process. My wife was pregnant with our third kid. We had just moved houses. It was wild, wild, wild time. Uh, and I didn't go into that with any desire to be a pastor, none whatsoever. It wasn't on my radar. Uh, I, just, I just was hungry. I was hungry for, for growth, for more. And I just want to suggest, like, I think that's where God does his best work, right? When, when we're really hungry. And so that's really the point I'm getting at is if we can grow free, then what are we doing? Let's, let's keep going. We can, we can I, I want to encourage you and myself, there's more. There's always more. And so this brutal year, battering, humbling, frustrating, exhausting, it, there was some good stuff in there too. I had survived several months of it. I think the majority of the year, I was determined to make it. We were in this preaching class and it's not fun at all, to be honest. Um, you like, have, there's two hats and they have the little things in there and you pull a Bible book out of one and then a chapter out of the other and you have like 10 minutes and you get up and preach for 10 minutes in front of everybody. <laughs> it's a little scary. Um, 
And so this evening in the class, uh, one of my classmates got up and he shared what was like a super embarrassing story. <laughs> I was, it was one of those, you're sitting there kind of squirming a little bit, like in the, in the audience, like, oh my gosh, like why? <laughs> I don't know that I would share that. I don't know that he should share it, you know? It was weird. And um, it was a risk, I think. It was, it was real and raw and honest. And I don't know, maybe the church is the place that we should be able to share things like that, right? Don't you think? There was no moment per se, no profound revelation. Uh, it was not like some instantaneous change for me. I wasn't like floored by his Bible knowledge. I wasn't impressed by his wisdom. I was, I was mostly just embarrassed for him a little bit. Like, man, I can't, ooh. But, anybody sense a butt coming? That evening, I got home, my wife and all the kids were in bed. It was a, you know, it ran late. And um, as per my custom, I was just, I put on some headphones and I was just seeking something, asking, <laughs> listening for God. And, and in the middle of this, inviting Jesus into my struggles and doubts and fears and, and hurts, uh, a memory was pulled out of my very past past. And it's a little embarrassing. <laughs> Do you mind if I share it? Yeah? Okay. Take a drink first. I don't want to share it, honestly. It's not that bad. So, I was a kid, I was uh, maybe six or seven, and I, I didn't like remember this memory until I remembered the memory, right? I was like six or seven, my, my parents divorced when I was very young, and so in this period of, of my life is before my dad had remarried, and he lived in my, in my Grandma Perry's basement for several years. Uh, Edna Mae Perry, <laughs> she's like the best woman ever. And so we were there on the weekend, had a bunch of cousins in town and all the neighborhood kids, and, uh, and I remember, I don't remember who it was, somebody came up and said, hey Luke, the phone's for you. And I don't think I'd ever had a phone call in my life, <laughs> especially not at my grandma's. Like who knows I'm at my grandma's? But I was like, okay, and I walked over. You know, that's when the phones were like in the wall. Um, if, if some of you old people remember that. <laughs> so I pick up the phone and say, um, hello, <laughs> hello. And much to my surprise, it was the girl, the one girl that I had had a crush on since my memory started, the girl. I would say her name, but I don't wanna put that on her. I never told her this story. And I felt this rush of blood. Oh, what? My heart is thumping, thumping, beating out of my chest. And this girl, this is my wife, it wasn't her, by the way. Um, this girl asked so kindly and sweetly about my weekend. So I filled her in on some of the activities. She said, you know, I, I really like you. And I was just like, oh my gosh, my legs are gonna collapse. And she asked me to go on a date with her to the movies that next Friday. And I'm like, where's my grandma right now, Edna? Like, Grandma Barry, where are you at right now? I am on a six foot leash with a phone on the end attached to it. And I just got asked on my first date ever by the girl I was infatuated with. Man, oh, it, was, it was so good. And so I couldn't find my grandma. No one was around. And so I just, I made a game time decision, right? It's like, I'll just say yes and figure out how to get there. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. 
there was this moment, like it was a moment I couldn't let pass up, right? Like this might be my forever right here. I couldn't pass it up. And I was just overwhelmed by this feeling of being loved and being wanted and being valued. Oh, I could have just died right there. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden, my supposed future soulmate had a, her, her voice changed or something. I didn't know what. And I was like, what, what's, what's happening here? Is this phone, you know, like hit the phone on your leg. And, uh, and then I hear this harmonized eruption of laughter. Not, not at my grandma's house, on the other end of the phone. And my, my heart dropped. My dreams, the future crushed in a single moment right there. It was, in fact, my older cousin, James, who I loved and looked up to and wanted to be like. And he was on the other end with all the kids from the neighborhood and all my cousins that were in town across the street. <laughs> and so naturally, I dropped the phone. I mean, I am, my, this hurt turns into a blood rage in a very quick moment and I could still see today out of the tear-filled eyes of like the little innocent me just sprinting as fast as I could go across the street. <laughs> I knew where they were. I knew what room they were in. So I ran across, uh, around that little red house down the hill into the back sliding door. And I could see right when I turned the corner, I saw through the glass everyone, a whole room of people just laughing like can't stand up straight laughing. Thank you. <laughs> so I tore through that door and I was, you know, I was out to hurt somebody. I had revenge on my heart. <sighs> the crowd stopped me as I'm trying to fight through. Eventually I'm like, okay, this is just more embarrassing now. And so I just kind of ran home. I, I could still literally, like, that was part of the memory. I could still see through those blurry eyes, sobbing, like snot all over the place and just kind of stumbling home. I was crushed. I locked myself in the room that wasn't even really my room, and, and I don't know how long I was in there, but I did not come back out until everyone was asleep, and I just I just laid there sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. <laughs> There's a very real possibility you may feel a little bit like I did when my friend shared his embarrassing story from his childhood. Uh, but let me give you a little more accurate account. Remember, I was seeking God when this memory came up in what sometimes Christians call the secret place, right? Or maybe the prayer closet. And I think it's, important to clarify. Like, there are no secret square footage dimensions for the secret place, right? It's like, where's the secret place? I can't tell you. It's a secret, right? Oh, it's just, <laughs> there's no, like, orders or, or methods. It's just somewhere, anywhere, you are intentionally going after God's presence on your own, right? On your own, individually, in a space, alone, a privacy, a seclusion, much like Jesus did all the time, off to the mountains and everything else, he retreated to private places, even to the mountains, which, which sounds fun to me. For me, sometimes it's in the car, driving around. Sometimes it's in the backyard. Sometimes it's on a hiking trail. Sometimes literally in the closet. But it's this seclusion that allows you to do whatever you got to do. 
I usually need to be somewhere where no one can hear me <laughs> if I scream as loud as I can. And those are few and far between. Really, those places are tough to, to find. But that's what I was doing. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's underwhelming. Sometimes, honestly, it's disappointing. Sometimes it's inexplicable. It's amazing. It's like life transforming. But that evening, as embarrassing as it may sound and even felt, I was like, when it started coming in, I was like, no, what? <laughs> what? I don't, that's ridiculous. What a silly story. I don't want anything to do with that. Okay, yes, I remember it now. Let's, can we just, <laughs> let's leave that one there. Like, I don't need this. I don't hold any hurt from that. But that night, as a 30-something-year-old man who'd been a Christian for two decades, I came to, however long later, on the floor in a pool of my own tears, completely freed of that, completely freed of that. It was freedom to my soul. This hurt. This is what the Lord started revealing to me. This hurt started to turn into this pride. I, was, I fought as hard as I could for a long, long time to protect anyone from ever touching that place again. And it turned into this alternative version of me that wasn't really me. So from an early age, it conformed me to the, to the hurts of this world. It truly did. And that most oftentimes results in something different, right? Uh, this hardness of heart, whatever you got to do to keep it out. I was a susceptible kid. I was used then to, perpetu to perpetuate this type of hurt. The Lord walked me back through. Oh, yeah, well, by not dealing with that and not even knowing how to deal with it, I ended up doing that kind of stuff to other people. It's like, oh, you reproduce it if you're not freed from it. So it's me being offended by other people, not giving others the benefit of the doubt, sometimes projecting that hurt that I had experienced on other people. It made me rougher and tougher and more manly, far more ready to reject feelings and honesty and vulnerability. It was this false version of myself by putting my actual God-made self because of the fear and the hurt, just putting that over there on the shelf, right? But another thing that the Lord revealed to me is, oh yeah, you know why that place opened up that I could touch it? Because your buddy this evening shared that embarrassing story of himself. He showed me that it, it unlocked something in my heart to be able to be freed from that. And he said, oh, by the way, you need to go back and tell him that. And so this is it, right? Like being vulnerable and sharing these, oh my gosh, this is there are so many stories. I don't want to tell anybody, but I've made an agreement like, okay, if that's going to help, okay. Because I wouldn't have gotten that freedom if he didn't have the courage to stand up and share that embarrassing story. So when we don't combat this stuff, we reproduce it, we pass it on to our kids and our spouses and our friends, which is actually like the central theme of the gospel. We're supposed to be doing that with our freedom, with the healing, and help others to grow in that. 
We actually buy into and perpetuate the things that have hurt us so deeply by partnering with them, by doing the, the same, the same stuff in a different way because we're so afraid to face that shame. And I still have that, like, oh, I'm not free to that. Yeah, it's still not comfortable, but that didn't hurt. That memory didn't hurt. It was pure bliss. That time with Jesus freeing something, like it was, I was bawling, but oh man, my soul was on fire <laughs> with love. And so, and I want to call the worship team back up if you guys are in here, because we're going to end with a song, but there's a couple things I just, even if I'm, I'm repeating myself, that I really want you to get here. Like, this type of freedom is a process, and you're free to seek it. I'm free to seek it. Yes, I've been set free, but I'm growing free. <laughs> I'm growing free, and there is more. There's more for everyone, no matter where you're at. And if you haven't been set free, I think that's important. Like, okay, <laughs> believe, you know, believe. Jesus, I believe, says, oh, I'll, yeah, I'll set you free. And if you have been, I think it's important to own it, so, uh, to own that freedom, not, what do you mean we're going to set free? I've been set free. You're like, oh. Oh, no, Jesus. Oh, no, it's important to grow free. It's important to grow free. And it's important to share those stories of being set free. Stories after stories after stories, there's more of them. So that's, kind of, that's the challenge that I want to give to you this week is just do whatever it takes to find that secret place, wherever it is, where it's just you and just God. And then... Realize Jesus paid it all. <laughs> Jesus paid it all. There are places in me and every one of you that the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, is ready to touch. I've been shaking all morning. Like, I don't, uh, I want to get this right, Lord, because I know that, uh, that that is what he spoke to me this week. It's like, there's freedom. Every single person, every set of eyes here, if you find that place, the Holy Spirit is going to touch something. And then it, it's your, it's my it's our responsibility as a church to, to, to share that. If you want to share it here, come on. Let's do it every week. Share it with a coworker. It unlocks something. It is one of the number one ways that you fight the devil himself. He doesn't want you to hear this, right? The power of your testimony, the blood of the lamb, this is what Jesus died for. It doesn't hurt. It's how you grow free. So let's grow free. And I just want, I want to invite you as we sing this song. And this is one of the hardest things to do, right? I, like, I want to acknowledge that worshiping is good <laughs> and it's not always easy, right? You think the picture of heaven is like, oh, you're worshiping all the time. It's, and, and I used to think, well, that kind of feels like an obligation, <laughs> you know, like the whole time. Does my voice get tired or like get a drink of water? But Think of the beauty of that. It's heaven. It's, it's living in that fullness of freedom and that power of the fullness of God's presence. And, and it's not always easy here. And we all, I think, well, let me just speak for myself. We fight those thoughts like, oh my gosh, am I being like a little too dramatic? Like, what are they thinking about me? Like, oh my gosh, listen to that person. It was like, oh man, how do I just, I need two songs to get out of my own head. That's why sometimes in my secret place, I turn the volume up as loud as I possibly can. I smash those things into my ears and I'm just praying nonstop because I, I've tasted that goodness. And I know you guys have too, or you wouldn't be here. 
It's worth pursuing. It's worth staying up a little bit later. It's worth skipping that social function. I'm telling you. And so I just want to read this last scripture to lead us into this song. And, and we'll get out of here today. But whatever you need to do, sit, stand, run, jump, do some jumping jacks. It doesn't matter, right? Like we all, I think we can commit to working on that together as a church. Like, okay, I acknowledge <laughs> I have those thoughts, but I don't want them, you know? And so that's, we need a free space where we can continue to grow free. And so this scripture was on my heart too. I love it. It's Hebrews 4, 11 through 16. And it's really just about like the, the rights you have as a Christian to approach God. It says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Isn't that good? So that no one may fall by the same sword of disobedience for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from its sight but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. We don't have a Jesus, our Jesus can sympathize with our weaknesses. He is one who in every respect has been tempted. Man, I have to read that 10 times usually just to get a little bit of it. Who want, one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That's what we're talking about, the secret place. Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So will you do that with me, guys? Let's do it. Holy Spirit, we give this time, we give this worship to you. We ask you to lead us in, in spirit and truth. And I, just, I ask that, that we feel the freedom to let you in and that you just put something on our heart. We give you permission in Jesus' name to touch something touch something. We want to taste more freedom, Lord. We want to grow free. And I'm asking that we receive because we believe. And by faith, we approach you with confidence, approach the throne of grace right here, right now, Lord. I ask for you to touch a place, bring your freedom, and then give us the courage and the boldness to share freely the freedom that you give to us. In Jesus' name, amen.